That's all I have to say. And I want to begin by praying for all you people who voted for cookies. I don't know what, uh, well, be honest, how many of you actually tried to call that phone number instead of texting the first time? Uh, how many? Ah, oh, yeah, 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 okay, all right. All right, so we're still working on the technology thing. That's great. Well, let's, uh, let's pray, and, uh, uh, and then you can vote whether or not you want to hear this sermon or not. But we're going we're gonna to go ahead and pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much that you are who you say you are. Uh, Lord, you have revealed yourself to us in Scripture. You've revealed yourself to us in nature. You've revealed yourself to us most perfectly in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are so grateful for who you are. And we're so grateful for your desire for us to know you and to be with you. And so pray right now as we turn our attention to your word, that you would open up our hearts and our minds. You would speak to us through your word by your spirit. You would encourage and instruct us and help us and change us to make us more and more the people you've called us and created us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, actually, I'm kidding. I'm not going to let you vote on whether or not to hear the sermon. We're going to go right on ahead with it. But last week, we began a, a new teaching series that we're calling A House of Prayer. And if you missed last week's message, I really want to strongly encourage you to find some time this week to listen to it. Go online, check it out online. You can get one of the CDs out in the foyer or, or just go straight to the website. But I really want to encourage you to listen to that message, not because it was particularly insightful or powerful or whatever, but because it was absolutely foundational to understanding what prayer is supposed to be, as well as understanding your calling to become together God's longed-for house of prayer. As I noted uh, last week as I began that message, my desire it was to completely revolutionize your thinking about prayer. So I hope you'll take some time to listen to that if you haven't heard it already. It's funny, as Christians, we talk a lot about prayer, although i got to be honest with you, my experience is sometimes Christians talk more about prayer than they actually pray. And it's also, I have to say, my experience that there's a tremendous amount of confusion on the subject. I was watching a video this past week, a guy was talking, he said somebody came up to him uh, recently and said, hey, will you pray? My son is in the finals of his karate tournament this weekend. And the guy said, I don't know how to pray about that. He said, what do what, what, what I pray? Dear Jesus, when little Timmy steps on that mat, will you please sovereignly direct his foot right upside the head of that other little boy? And in your great power and mercy, would you render him unconscious in the name of the Lord? And then when the match is over, please, please heal him of any symptoms of concussion. I don't know about you, but, but that definitely seems like one of those gray areas of prayer uh, that's not always sure how to pray about. But this morning, as we continue to explore the subject of prayer, would you stand with me, please, in honor of the Word of God? And just to get us focused and moving. Look again at what it means that God wants you and I to be together, to be together house of prayer. We're going to read together Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 12. This is what the Bible says. Will you read it with me? Be joyful in hope, pray patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. One more time. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. And when it comes to the subject of prayer, this matter of faithfulness in prayer, devotion to prayer, perseverance in prayer comes up honestly quite a bit in the Bible. Prayer for the follower of Jesus simply cannot be a take it or leave it proposition. Prayer for the follower of Jesus cannot be an every now and then kind of thing. 
God desires to shape and form you together as his people into a house of prayer. Which means in the heart and the mind and the plan of God, prayer is central to who you are and central to how you're supposed to live. God expects you. God is calling you to be faithful in prayer. So what does that mean and what does it look like? Well, the word faithful certainly conjures up some images with it. When I think of faithful, at least personally, I tend to think of dutiful. A faithful person is one who does the things they're supposed to do. She shows up for work on time. She pays her bills on time. He does his homework and studies for his test and takes out the trash when he's supposed to. He has a duty. He has a trust. And he always follows through on that trust. Now, without a doubt, that's a fantastic way to be, but it's not what the word means in this text. The same Greek word that NIV translates as be faithful in Romans 12, 12 shows up in Colossians 4, 2, where the Apostle Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And this idea of devoting yourself to prayer really is much closer to the actual meaning of the word in the text. It's not just fulfilling a duty. It's not just fulfilling a responsibility, fulfilling a charge. It's much more of a devotion, a constant, ongoing commitment to stick to something that matters to you. Properly understood and practiced, then, prayer is not a duty. It is a devotion. A much-beloved, constant pursuit. Prayer is not a chore to be faithfully completed. It is a way to consistently live. Because, not because you have to, but because you want to. The Greek word the NIV translates here as faithful in prayer uh, is the word proskar teruntes. Everybody? No, never mind. <clears throat> It's the same word the NIV translates as devote yourselves to prayer in Colossians uh, 4.2, as I said. It's the same Greek word translated as, as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer in Acts 2.42. It's a word that carries with it a sense of internal commitment and attachment and devotion. The word literally means to make yourself strong toward something. To direct your focus and your energy toward something and then stick with it. You can see some of the challenge of translating this particular Greek word into English when you look at the translation. NIV renders the last part of Romans 12, 12, be faithful in prayer. King James gives it as continuing steadfastly in prayer. ESV says be constant in prayer. New American Standard says devoted to prayer. Uh, The Holman uh, Christian Standard Bible says be persistent in prayer. You take all that stuff together and you look at the original Greek, and and in my mind, for what it's worth, I believe the last part of Romans 12, 12, the instruction to you is this. Devote yourself to prayer. Give yourself over to prayer and stick with it no matter what. That's the NPBV, the New Pastor Billy version. In other words, listen, don't merely do your duty by prayer. A prayer in the morning, a prayer at mealtime, a prayer before you go to bed, every once in a while, a 
prayer when somebody goes to the hospital. Don't merely do your duty by prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Attach yourself to prayer. Give yourself over to prayer. Make prayer fundamental to who you are and how you live. Now, fantastic illustration of this. <coughs> Somebody say, congestion is of the devil. <coughs> Hallelujah. <coughs> Amen. A great illustration of this comes from another passage in the Bible where the exact same Greek word is used. In Acts chapter 8, Philip goes down to Samaria, begins to talk to the people there about Jesus, tells everybody about Jesus. The Holy Spirit works through him. Lots of people get healed. Lots of people get delivered. And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people give their lives to Jesus. A whole bunch of people become followers of Jesus. And one of those people was a guy by the name of Simon, who up until that particular moment had been a very prominent sorcerer in that part of the world. Very well known as a prominent sorcerer. But he, once he heard about Jesus and saw the miracles that were being done through Philip, he became a follower of Jesus. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. And the Greek word here, where it says Simon followed Philip everywhere, is exactly the same Greek word we've been looking at. In other words, Simon devoted himself to Philip in the way you're to devote yourself to prayer. Simon was fascinated by Philip. He attached himself to Philip. He went wherever Philip went because wherever Philip was, that's where Simon wanted to be. And that's how you and I are supposed to be when it comes to prayer. Devoted to prayer. Attached to prayer. Giving yourself over to prayer and sticking with it no matter what. In our staff meeting a couple weeks ago, Chuck Davis mentioned that he'd heard or read a comment from somebody that went something like this. I may not always pray 15 minutes at a time, but I never go 15 minutes without praying. That will often be the case for someone who has devoted themselves to prayer. You just can't help yourself. You're reading a report, you're listening to a coworker, you're waiting for a machine at the gym, and all of a sudden a prayer just kind of pops up. There it is. Lord, I love you. Jesus, I love you. There, man, well, well, there it is. There's that prayer. You, you encounter something challenging. You encounter something different. Wham, there's the prayer. There it is. Lord, help me. Father, help me. Jesus, tell me what to do. Holy Spirit, give me something to say. You see something awesome. You encounter something really cool. Bam, here's the prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's so awesome. I played golf a while back with uh, uh, um, Sammy, and everyone's, he, he had to go eat Thank you, Jesus. I'm like, man, you know, I never said that once. But uh, it was more about my golf than my prayer life. Uh, um, that's just how the heart and the mind respond once you've devoted yourself to prayer. It becomes the natural default response of anyone who is proskar teruntes in prayer. It's where your heart and mind go when your heart and mind are fixed on Jesus. And you've devoted yourself to communing with Jesus. I was a senior in college the first time I ever actually recognized a, a, a heart like that. I was in the computer lab. I was struggling with a computer program. I was supposed to be analyzing my research data. One of my best friends was in there with me, just kind of hanging out, waiting for me to get done. We are going to go have dinner together. And while he was waiting, he was just kind of mindlessly doodling on a piece of paper. At some point, I looked over at, uh, at the paper and over and over and over again, he had doodled, I love Jesus. I heart Jesus. 
Jesus is Lord. And I remember being so struck by that. By the realization that my friend, when my friend just kind of zoned out and went on autopilot, his autopilot was, I love Jesus. His autopilot was, I heart Jesus. That's where, that's where his heart and mind went when he wasn't thinking about where his heart and mind should go. Because you can't just decide to make that your autopilot. That happens when you devote yourself, when you really give yourself over to Jesus and communing with Jesus. Autopilot is where your heart goes when you're not thinking about where you want your heart to go. And that doesn't just happen because you're a Christian. It happens when you devote yourself. When you really give yourself over to Jesus and communing with Jesus. Today, I understand those doodles were prayers. My, my, my friend didn't mean to be praying. He just couldn't help himself. Because he truly devoted himself to Jesus. It just came out of him. Prayer had become his default mode. When he didn't think about what mode to go into, he went into the mode of prayer. Last week, I took some time to address the true nature of prayer and telling you that prayer is not fundamentally about asking God for stuff, but rather that prayer is fundamentally about worship and communion with God, telling the Lord how much you love him, thanking him for what he's done, spending time in his presence. Enjoying and glorying in his goodness, expressing your love and adoration for him, and then experiencing his peace and joy in return. And that understanding of prayer is borne out in the text of Romans 12, 12 as well. Because when the Bible here calls you to be faithful in prayer, it's calling you to devote yourself not to asking for stuff, but to devote yourself to worship and commune with God. Now, to be sure, there is a sense of the word pray where it can mean to ask. Pray absolutely can mean to ask or beseech or implore. As in, I pray you, kind sir, may I have more gruel. So pray can mean ask. And as I shared last week, in those times of communion with God, we often lay out our wants and our needs before him. The Greek word used for prayer in Romans 12, 12 is the word prosauke. And it means coming or going or drawing near. Coming or going to or toward is a perfect word for prayer as worship and communion with God. It's prayer as going to God. Prayer as moving toward God. Prayer is drawing near to God. The name of the message today is devoted to drawing near. That means in Romans 12, 12, the Bible calls you to devote yourself to drawing near to God. To attach yourself to him and follow him around just like Simon did with Philip. That's the essence of what it means here in Romans 12, 12, to be faithful in prayer. Now, I'll return to this point this morning in danger of belaboring it because I am so concerned that so many Christians don't get it. Because I'm so concerned that so very many Christians still see prayer fundamentally as asking God for stuff. 
Now, please listen to me say it again. Prayer most certainly includes asking God for stuff. God wants you to ask him for stuff. God wants you to ask him to meet your needs. And over and over again in the Bible, God tells you to ask him to do that. Do not be anxious about anything, the Bible says. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Call upon me, God says, in the day of trouble. Ask, Jesus says, and it will be given to you. The Apostle James even goes so far as to say, you do not have because you do not ask God. So just to be perfectly clear, God wants you to ask him for stuff. He wants you to ask him to meet your needs, and you really, really need to do that. But because God wants that does not change the fact that prayer is not fundamentally about asking for things, but rather it's fundamentally about connecting and communing with the Lord. And since we're looking together at the subject of prayer, and especially this idea of being devoted to prayer, I really feel compelled to address a concern I have with how some Christians, and to be honest, especially some charismatic Christians, approach prayer. So let's go ahead and get it on the table. I am a spirit-filled Christian. I believe in the gifts and the presence and the power, the present-day working of the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. I believe they're as available today as they were in the first century. I believe they're as important today as they were in the first century. But I also believe a very serious and very dangerous error took hold in the charismatic church in the 1980s and 1990s. And it has really messed up a lot of people in terms of how they think about prayer. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to get pretty deep in the woods here in just a second. So I encourage you to listen carefully as so you can follow along. And if something I say shocks you or confuses you or offends you, I promise I'll be happy to talk to you about this at length anytime we can sit together and make it happen. Having said that, let me continue. In the 1980s and the 1990s, a number of prominent teachers in the charismatic movement seemed to come to the conclusion that since Jesus is alive and well, and since the Holy Spirit is alive and at work within his people, then, and here's the error, if you're a Christian, and if you have enough faith, and if you use exactly the right words, you should never have to suffer. It was a strange merging of ideas, born, I believe, fundamentally at their heart from the false notion that prayer and faith are both primarily about getting stuff. That prayer is about asking God for stuff, and that faith more or less makes him give it to you. And with that crucial misunderstanding, they then went on to take a whole bunch of scriptures. Many of them sayings of Jesus, like, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Taking verses like these out of context and applying them to prayer 
with a base understanding that prayer is about getting stuff from God. In doing that, they developed some, frankly, really bad theology and wounded a bunch of people along the way. And, and listen, I love you, and I'm not upset or angry. I'm just speaking what I believe, feel compelled to tell you. In its most severe form, this false theology turned prayer into little more than witchcraft. Speaking forth what you want while often misquoting or misapplying Scripture, then blending those words with a theologically unbiblical understanding of faith, as if faith is some sort of mystical force that empowers you to manipulate or even create reality, the idea took hold that through the power of your own words and the power of your own faith, you can make things happen. You can access and control divine power through your prayers and your words and your faith, and you can manipulate spiritual forces, and you can make things come to pass. Now, many of you may firmly believe that this morning. But dude, I got to tell you, you can say whatever you like, and you can dress it up however you like, but there is not a dime's worth of difference between that way of thinking and the New Age movement, between that way of thinking and old age witchcraft. It is nothing more than trying, by your own actions, through the application of your faith and your words, to harness and manipulate spiritual power for your own purposes. And that is the essence of witchcraft. It is exactly the point of incantations and spells. To exercise some sort of mysterious faith, using exactly the right words, and force things to happen. That's the point. But listen, prayer is not about getting stuff. Prayer is about getting close to God. And when your real focus in prayer, listen, when your fundamental focus in prayer is getting results, as opposed to getting close to the Lord, when your real focus in prayer is getting results, you will always be tempted to try to use prayer to control or manipulate or at the very least cajole. Now for what it's worth, I believe words really matter. And then you need to pay attention to what you say. I believe faith really matters and that God himself pays attention to whether or not you really trust him. And I believe prayer really matters and that you've been called to devote yourselves to prayer and to become God's house of prayer. But I'm going to be honest, in the middle of a prayer series, let me just go ahead and tell you, I'm not a huge fan of the old saying, prayer changes things. Because prayer wasn't fundamentally given to you to change things. Prayer was fundamentally given to you to connect you and to God, to help you commune with the God who changes things. So before I close, look with me one more time at Romans 12, 12. And I want you to know this. Well, let me read it. Be faithful in hope, patient in tribulation, faithful in prayer. And I want you to notice in this verse that when the Apostle Paul calls you to be faithful in prayer, calls you to devote yourself to prayer, at the very same time, 
He also calls you to be joyful in hope and patient in affliction. And I want you to stop and think about that for just a moment. First, it says be joyful in hope. And you need to understand hope is something you have and express when you still don't have what you're hoping for. In other words, hope is fundamentally about waiting. As Paul wrote a little earlier in the exact same letter, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? It's from a passage, it's from a passage where Paul acknowledges the painful reality of our present sufferings and our groaning hope for the fullness of salvation that's still to come. Our groaning hope for the fullness of God's kingdom that's still to come. In other words, the Bible calls you, listen, to be faithful in prayer. To devote yourself to prayer with a full knowledge and expectation that as you pray and after you pray, you're often going to need to keep on hoping for many of the things you've prayed about. That even in a life devoted to prayer, you may not always receive right away many of the things you're praying for. That's what it means. To be, um, uh, to be uh, something joyful in hope while being devoted to prayer. And at the very same time, you're called to be faithful in prayer, to devote yourself to prayer. You're also called to be patient in affliction. In other words, the Bible calls you to be faithful in prayer with the full knowledge and expectation that as you pray and after you pray, you're still going to face trials and hardships. You're still going to see affliction and suffering. Because being faithful in prayer does not mean and has never meant you always get what you pray for. And even in a life devoted to prayer, there is still sometimes affliction. There is still sometimes pain. There is still sometimes pressure and difficulty and tribulation. Prayer is not a panacea, and praying in faith is no magic bullet, which means the key to praying well, listen to me please, the key to praying well is not making sure you got the words right. The key to praying well is not mustering up some unshakable confidence that you're going to get the stuff you asked for. That's not the key to praying well. The key to praying well is devoting yourself to the Lord. And to drawing near to him. To pressing into the Lord. Attaching yourself to the Lord. And sticking with him no matter what. Just like Simon did with Philip. People ask. What do you do when your prayers aren't answered? And my response is. My prayers are always answered. Listen. God never fails to take my call. Now I don't always get the stuff I ask for. But I have never called God and him not answered. Some of you screen your phone calls and decide whether or not you'll call back later. God always answers when his children call. And so listen carefully. To equate answering your call to getting what you ask for is a clear sign of confusion about the nature of prayer. God always answers my prayers. He just doesn't always give me what I ask for. 
Because God always answers when his children call him. Prayer is prosauke. It is pressing in, going toward, drawing near to God. That means if you've come to God through Jesus, your prayers are always answered. He always answers when you call. He promises to answer when you call. He is committed to receiving you when you draw near. He may not always give you what you ask for, but he will always give you his time and attention. And if you really press into him when you call, he'll also give you his peace and love and comfort and joy and hope and security. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and above all of it, be faithful and devoted in prayer. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, again, I thank you so much, as I always hope to thank you, for the power and the clarity of your word. Lord, you call us to yourself in prayer. You, you implore us to come before you, to cast our cares on you because you care for us, to spend time in your presence, to know you and commune with you and fellowship with you. By your invitation, you have called us to prayer that we might know you better and be transformed in that place. Help us, Lord, to be devoted to prayer. Not so much devoted to getting what we want, but devoted to getting to you. Freely and honestly and openly sharing with you what we want and what we need. But pressing in and joying in your presence. Transform us into your house of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.